These are the Stanley Cup champions cheering for us. Obi could beat the fuck out of Wayne Gretzky. Could you break Wayne Gretzky's leg? Because he's 24! The smoke blinds from straight 40s before I go out for warmies. We got like half dressed and then last four, and we we're just going nuts. We're in the locker room by then. We we're just going absolutely bananas. What it do, DMV? It is episode 88 of Chirpin' DMV. We've got a loaded one for you today. We've got a couple games to talk about, a couple games to preview, not as many games as we thought we would have to preview with some postponements. But before we do anything, let's say what's up to the boys. New guy today, it's that guy Blake stepping in for Ben, who's in an EASHL tournament or something, he said. What's up, Blake? What's up, boys? What's happening? How was your weekend? How did the gambling go? I know you put some money on the Super Bowl. Was did, your prediction uh, did right? Did not I go know. well. I had, uh, I had the Chiefs in the over, and that – that went away very quickly. I feel like yeah, everyone had that. I feel like everyone had the Chiefs in the over. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. It was it, pretty bad. AB, you were down in Tampa, living down there. How was the weekend for you? How was the Super Bowl? How was all that good shit? Uh, it, was, it was a good time. Uh, we were in St. Pete, uh, the town next to Tampa, so it actually wasn't as insane as, like, you would think. The pregame, like, the – like. The entire day before the game was pretty crazy. Like, like every bar was packed. Like, there's this like strip of bars, almost like every college town you've ever heard of. Stripper and bars or strip of bars? Strip of bars. Gotcha. Okay. Just Central. clarifying. <laughs> and on uh, on Central Ave, and like those, all of those bars were packed, and like they're all like out, outdoor bars too. So like it was just that Central Ave was just completely popping. Um, and then we rented a room. Uh, at, at the penthouse suite of uh, this apartment complex, which is pretty tight. There's like 30, 35 of us there. Uh, and then I uh, went to the, the club afterwards, the estate. We got a VIP table. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I don't think I did. I can't I honestly can't remember what I did Friday night. Got a text. Got the text from DJ, though. He's like, hey, West Virginia plays at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Why not go to a bar after? So I was like, all right, that's what, what could possibly go wrong there? I mean, it's the usual bullshit. You know how it goes with him, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, just black out every time. <laughs> Watch the West Virginia game. They hammer Kansas by like 20. It's good stuff. We're feeling good. Our thing is from 630 to 930. One of these uh, like little cabana things you can get at Wonder Garden there. <laughs> we get there at 630. We're drinking. We're drinking. DL shows up around 8. And then it's 930. But the bars close at 10. So like, all right, you guys got to get out of here. Like, All right. Sure. So we kind of just hang for like 10 minutes. Like, all right, guys, like, you got to get out of here. We're like, yeah, our bad. We just figured since you close at 10, we could hang for like 30 more minutes. And they're like, no, nah, like, please leave. And then as DJ stands up, man. And like, he just goes like step over the chair he was sitting on and he trips and falls and like hits, like just smashes the wall right there and spills his beer everywhere. And I guess the guy thought he was mad about getting us getting like, I guess, quote unquote, kicked out and he threw the beer. Oh, so the guy freaked out, just drug us post completely out of there. Oh, God. That was the bouncer. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 That's, that'd be, that's how she goes. Whoopsies. Big, like I said, big West Virginia win and shitty Super Bowl in terms of gambling, but we got it. We had another game that was pretty bad too. I put a lot of money on that game as well for the caps and fires on super Sunday, but cause I felt good about, I don't know, Blake wrote like three blogs this week and I felt they made me all feel kind of good about the caps playing on super bowl Sunday. And I was like, Oh, we're going to shit kick Philly, but obviously not what happened. So let's get into some news and notes here. Thursdays and Saturdays, Buffalo games postpone. Um, I guess in a good way, that's more time for guys like Oshie and them to heal up and get ready. But Blake, sorry, with Brown you. to come off the COVID list. Maybe yeah, there you go. Chips away at a couple of those days for him. But yeah, thoughts on that? Uh, it's that's a big loss in Ronnie. He's been scoring a lot, and um, 
scoring a lot in driving play, which is something that you, you really like to see has been a bit more consistent this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. AB, I mean, I guess, like you said, that's more time to rest. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, cause we haven't been playing great, so I'll take a couple days off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just so hurt right now. We're like, I feel like we're missing everyone. Like people are starting to slowly come back. So we definitely need this break. Um, they have been saying like kind of around the entire NHL, like these breaks have been helping the teams out a lot. Like, like the Panthers and yeah. the stars like came back off their COVID break. Carolina had a break, right? Yeah. Carolina had a break and they came back firing. Um, so, I, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, the Sabres are currently in one and the devils, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. Um, we haven't actually had a break cause the NHL fucking hates us. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's, it's crazy. Cause like it, we all know the story. It was the, the fucking, the four Russians hanging out in the hotel room. And, and now it's, you see like Stamkos tweets the picture of the entire lightning team, just like in a hotel, like yeah. conference room, maybe it just all watching the game together. And I was like, I thought literally the, the rule was if you're outside of a ring setting, AKA the locker room, the ice itself, practicing, whatever. And they're just like, check us out. The whole team together. Yeah. It makes, I don't know. It makes no sense. Maybe they're just kind of like, all right, that was kind of stupid. Maybe we shouldn't do that for the rest of the NHL. We are just like the the guinea pig of it, I guess. That's that's the only thought logic I have behind it. But That or, that or it was only because Sammy was positive. Maybe maybe it wouldn't have been a whole thing if, if Sammy hadn't turned out positive. I guess that's yeah. a valid point. Like if, yeah, if they all four turned up negatives, they probably just do nothing about it. And maybe just mm-hmm. slap on the line, but they, they slapped that fine on us pretty quick though. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, but I mean, speaking of them, uh, we got a couple guys back, Sammy back on the ice today. Kuznetsov back on the ice today. Schultz back on the ice today. Let's start with Kuzi. I feel like he's kind of one of the main ones there, but uh, when asked if he was scared, he said, quote, I'm from Russia. There's not a lot that can scare me, but, I don't know if he's playing tonight versus Philly. They haven't said it yet. Obviously, we're recording Monday night, but uh, AB, they, he's back. I thought they said that he is. I thought I thought they said he was. He was on the second power play. He was practicing with the second power play today. Yeah, and he was on the fourth line for practices with uh, – I forget who, honestly. But Okay, Blake. Are you for this? And uh, Sprong, which, honestly, I'd be kind of excited for. I, I said the same thing. I was talking to my buddy Drew. I was just playing Warzone, and I was like, yo, they have Kuzi on the fourth line, but, like, I don't hate it. Yeah, uh, it – you got a you got a play driver in Ponick. You got a finisher in Kuzi and a shooter in Sprong. That's 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 the dream right there. Yeah, um, yeah so I guess it I, is. And it's not like Kuzi had played any well before doing going on to suspension anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's I don't know what it is, man. He just he needs to like he's not he's not playing to his salary cap right now to his to his uh, contract right now. I don't think it's just he's, oh, we'll I get mean, to a guy. When we get to Unleash the Fury, who's, I think, a main guy that a lot of people are complaining about the contract as it stands right now. Oh, really? Okay. And that's another Russian named Dmitry Orlov. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. I just I just read an, an outrageous trade that uh, someone was trying to push for, and I was just like, that'll never fucking happen. What was like, it? What was it? What was it? It was like, we need to trade Orlov in to pick for, like, Brent Burns and Drew, or Drew Dowdy or something like that. Somebody plays actually defense. And I was like, they would never fucking do that. Wait, I think I had that exact one for Unleashed Fury. Yeah. Like, oh, I love it. But, yeah, Kuzi's back. And then Blake Samsonov, he's on the ice. He was a bit uh, worse off, I guess, about it. He said when he was asked about it, he said had he had trouble breathing. He had trouble walking. Um, yeah, what is up with these Russians? They're, these Russians think they're super fucking tough. And then – 
Like Orlov and Samsonov have just been the biggest bitches about the COVID. <laughs> like, Samson, Sammy being like, I couldn't walk. It's like, but you can just like straight up practice now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm fine yeah. with it because AB, I think the take is, I mean, my take now is leaning towards Vanacek got completely exposed that game, that last game in Philly, yeah. um, or in against Philly, I should say. But these are the, it was the, the issues, the stuff he got exposed on was the issues I've kind of mentioned the past couple of weeks where it's like, I mean, like he's getting beat hard on that left side. I mean, most, a lot of these goals in this game, he, the four goals he let it up, I think three of them were just absolute rockets, like snipes. Yeah. Um, besides that, but yeah, Samsonov, how big is that having him back? I think it's going to be big for Vanacek. I know, uh, uh, Laviolette said something in a press conference, like I'm not, we're not worried about his exhaustion levels or whatever there's fatigue levels. And I just, I got to call bullshit on that. He's played eight games in a row and his like statistics have dropped like gradually over the course, like consistently dropped each game that he played in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think, um, but my, my take is slowing down a little bit on Vanacek just being the outright number one starter. Um, it's we're going to go back to being one, a one B goaltending situation. Um, I just, yeah, he's maybe like a, a like a Grubauer type year from him that year that he was a backup, but uh, they're like split in time. I don't know how much, how many games Sammy's going to yeah. play, but I would hope that they split like 30, 30, 20, something, somewhere around that. Like that. I mean, if we can get Sammy hot, uh, I say fucking run him into the ground, to be honest, for like a month here, because we're that nice lead we had in the standings is wiltering away quickly. Oh, it's gone. But we do have a kind of a decent lead on the fourth place team, which I kind of feel I'm pretty comfortable with, which is the Penguins right now. Yeah, but I don't want to um, like count on that at the end of the year being like we're ahead enough, far enough ahead of fourth place that we can calm down. It's like, ah, I kind of want to be like up and firing and second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. just. It's a it's a tough ass fuck. It's a tough ass division right now. Boston, yeah. uh, hot takes, uh, good call by us. But Boston's not going to do well this season. Whoops, because we've been we definitely were all like, oh, I don't know if Boston's going to be the greatest. Yeah, and they and they're just like, yep, we've lost once, and that was yeah. it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, Blake, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with AB on this one. I hope uh, I hope uh, we go to a one A one B. I still don't know who I would put as one A or one B, but clearly they can't either. Either of them can't handle being number one. They got to share the load. Yeah, I'd say if you play Sammy maybe three games in a row or four of the next five, you get that's a good enough sample size to figure out yeah. who that guy should be. Yeah, um, against some tough teams. Lastly, Justin Schultz puck to the face on January twenty eighth. Lost some teeth, had had some fractures in the face and jaw, I guess a bit, but he's back on the shield. I mean, uh, on the. Ice today as well, wearing that full shield, that bubble, that fishbowl. Yeah, he's a he was a huge, kind of a huge loss there, dude. He's like been our he's probably been our best defenseman now. I'd agree. Uh, agree. Yeah. Now, obviously, right. it helps when you can think of like the two goals he scored, and they've both been massive goals. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, even even overall, like his play has been pretty well, uh, pretty good. I think he was like a plus seven or eight on the season, uh, he's plus minus. One of the best. He's been one of the best Corsi guys in the team too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we definitely do. So a couple other moves. Our guy, Phoenix Copley, and the Marty Party, Blake, your guy, back on the taxi squad from the Hershey Bears. So I'm assuming this was the day after that Philly game, so maybe some less than pleased ownership there, some GMs just being like, oh, Craig Anderson, man. Not not great what we saw. Yeah. Give uh, up like a second shot. 
something yeah just low and hard five i thought the entire time he was in he was looking shaky like he was kind of skipping around a bit like just like watching a goalie for a couple minutes being like all right like let me keep miles on him and see his body movement see how this works and he's and how he's like playing this and reading this and it's just like oh i don't know <laughs> sitting on the couch I was like he might let in the first shot he gets on him oh boy i i like i said I didn't, I didn't see much of that game so i didn't i didn't see how he performed but they pulled him at four right they pulled vanny at four they pulled yeah. it at four, and then yeah. Hart, Hart got scored on, and that's when I texted you and Krep, and I was like, Krep, like, man up and pull your goalie. We just pulled ours. Yeah. You have to do it, too. It's respect. Yeah. I mean, so. Hart, I mean, Hart didn't play. He Like he said, Hart has not been that well this season. He hasn't been playing well this season, which he was – I had him as, like, one of my um, Vesna finalists this year. I thought he was going to step up huge, and Philly was just going to be flying uh, right behind him. Yeah. So, oh, well, so there's some moves. There's some guys coming back, some guys leaving. Um, let's get some recaps. Rangers game last week. Uh, first goal is kind of just a dominating cycle. Caps him then. Puck gets to the point, and it's just, you know, shot and tipped in. Uh, Rags have a one nothing lead. Strom gets it. Yeah, I mean, this is a slow start. This is the, the whole – that, that game, I mean, start. it was a very slow start for us. And um, you're thinking – wow, we just can't put together 60 minutes again. Like, this, this is exactly what we were saying last year. They couldn't put together, yeah. like, a full 60 minutes. It just feels – there's some of, the, some of the issues that are arising. I feel, they feel like the same issues as last year. Yeah, what do you think, Blake? Yeah, I agree. It was a tough start. And um, another one of those games where we just got massively outshot, um, outchanced, out um, opportunity, and it was just not great from start to end. Hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned not a slow, not a fast start. So that's the first one nothing first period Rangers lead, and they did come out halfway through the second. It's Anthony Potato, and this is one where he kind of gets the puck on the right wall in our zone and single handedly goes behind the net, shucks off Haglin, goes up the far side board, the left board, shucks off Dowd, cuts to the middle. All like four guys on the ice just kind of stick a stick at him, do nothing. He just backhands it home, and it's two nothing. Like, all right, this is not going great. What the. F- yeah, what the fuck was that? Like, like, <laughs> what are we doing? We're just standing still, pretty much. But uh, I didn't even know who the, this kid was. What was his name? Potato. He's actually been apparently he's been playing very well because I was just watching the Islanders Rangers games before coming in here to record, and they're they're talking a good bit about him. Speaking of, like, side note, real quick, Babcock on intermission live. I don't know if you guys saw that with Sharpie and Liam McHugh, but I was just like, Ugh. what happened? It was he just said- Babcock was like one of the best guys now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. Well, I, I did know it. Like, I remember talking about it a couple of us, like, back when the season started, but I hadn't, like, watched enough NBC because I've been, like, streaming most games. So, I've yeah. been watching, like, home feeds or away feeds, like, kind of whatever team Savita want to watch. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, it's just Babcock's here. Like, what the fuck? And no one fucking likes him. So, I'm, I'm, I'm so shocked that they hired him. They, they traded Millberry for Babcock, and I just, I just can't help but feel that six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's yeah. literally like, all right, we lost Millberry, but who's exactly like Millberry that we can get? Yeah, that everyone fucking hates. <laughs> I don't know. That was a uh, crazy move. And then they fire the they of course they fired Jr. Like the one person that everyone loves. Yeah, that, sure. That was a while ago, but and that was yeah. for other reasons. But yeah, still. we are off topic. Still, I will mention this since it's been probably what we're good. We're good. Twenty twenty five minutes in. Ben Raby coming on today. He's a hell of an episode. He does uh, yeah. Caps Radio pre and post game live in the intermission show ab that uh, the notre dame football story was a good one yeah yeah he was he he had some good stories uh he had a, it was a great boost boudreau uh the boost boudreau but... notre dame football story is fucking hilarious it's good yeah. stuff it's towards the end but listen to it yeah. all um but so towards the end of that second there 
Garnet Garney, man, third line grind now. Um, Garnet down the right wing, throws it on that, and that puck bounces off of everybody, eventually hits Hagelin twice, and he gets his first of the year. So that's the one way he can finish. If the puck literally, if he doesn't have to do anything, the puck can hit him and go in, he's going to finish. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just like, don't do anything. Just try. Backed into the net, hard. puck off his back, off his leg, and then boom, two to one. And we're like, all right, we're feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they started finding their legs here. Um, it just, uh, it's, I mean, like you said, the third line grind, they've, they've probably been the only like consistent line. No, to be yeah. fair, it's the only line that hasn't gotten changed once this year. I don't think. Yeah. That's yeah, that's true. Blake I mean, could probably speak they're... more to that than I can, but that's probably one line that hasn't been changed once. Cause I think that's the line that lively. It's like when everything's fine, this is our fourth line shutdown line. That yeah. Played. They've been kept together pretty much the whole time. Yeah. They, and they play like second or third line minutes. They do. Yeah. Well, they're playing shutdown. And so it's just like, like Blake tweeted at the one Islanders game. He's like, uh, this line has the most ice time. I was like, well, yeah, they have like every time that, that Eichel and Hall line were on the ice lively. I was just like, fucking go. You're out there. Yeah, They're playing all of the number one line. They're playing they every are. single number one line and they're out. I, think I they're like out- that. I like having a pure shutdown line. Yeah. And they're outscoring that other line. Like, I wanted to say it was like six to three at some point or something like that, like throughout the the course of the season. Blake's running numbers is, in his head. He's like, yeah, six point three actually. But uh, so yeah, he keep looking. Blake will keep going. Reinstrom in the third makes it three to one. Uh, but then it's Ovi seven oh nine takes sole possession of seventh place. It's a, it's a it's a classic man. It's a backstrom wins a drawback even though we don't do that much, uh, and he just fires it home. Three to two game yeah. with nine minutes left. You're kind of thinking we got a chance. Yeah, um, especially with an OV goal, then you're like, oh, shit, he's probably going to get two more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, only eight minutes left. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, OV on the board. That's all we care about, right? Right, boys? That's that's all we care about right now. Uh, And then Buchnevich at the end gets it a 4-3 empty net or 4-2 empty net goal. Uh, Caps 0-4 on the power play, I believe, that game. Rangers 0-3, so power play not looking great. Uh, Penalty kill doing its job. Blake, you got anything for that? Uh. Power play has been really good this year. Um, they're near the top of the league, which is good to see again. Um, yeah. Which is crazy because I feel like every time I'm watching it, I'm like, God, this power play fucking sucks. But they're like, <laughs> I'm right there like with you. And then they score. They scored on like 40% of their power plays. It something. makes no yeah. sense because they haven't scored on a single one I've watched. And yeah. Seen every, every single game so far. Yeah. Like it's absurd. When I, I remember I saw your stat and it was like they they have like a forty four percent power play percentage right now. I was like, what the fuck? Is it Blake wasted? It's gone, like, what? it's gone down a little bit, but like yeah. it's still ridiculously high. They're like top. I think they're second in the league right now, second best. Yeah. So Damn. I mean, and the PK like was the opposite, right? Right. It was like they started off really hot, and then it like the it one week. Yeah. Off. Weren't they like ten for eleven? They or were like like that. They were like 92%. Then at one point they were at 73%. And now they've like averaged out and they're in the yeah. low 80s, which is about where you'd expect them to be. Right. I'd like to eclipse the uh, yeah. 85% mark. Yep, yep, yep. So I actually, I left this game early. Didn't get to see the end of it. So I had men's league that night. But AB, Blake, anybody thoughts on that? Final thoughts on that Rangers game there before we move to Philly? Uh, I also had a men's league game, so. <laughs> all I could think, all I could think of was that was that last Rangers game before the universe shut down when um, what's his face put up Zavanajad. Zavanajad put five Maybe goals on us. It felt he, like I thought that. he had every single one that game. Was it five four or six five? It was six five. It was and he had five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
It was fucking absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Felt like the so. same damn game all over, again, <laughs> except for Boteto scoring on it. That was his first goal since 2017. Yeah. Who the yeah, fuck is this guy? I, I don't know, but he keeps getting fucking brought up. But that, I, the, my I first thoughts rookie. watching that game, I was like, God damn it, we're in MSG, we're wearing Lady Liberty. This is going to be a 14 round shootout loss from between the legs, Tuck. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so Sunday, yeah. noon game, 12 30 game, NBC. Kind they of a. They did lie about time. They said 12 the entire time. And then, like, it was like 12 15, and they're like 16 minutes left until puck drop. And I was like, holy shit. Like, what are we doing here? But um, <laughs> this one starts out nice. It's uh, it's Ovi, power play. And this was, I think, I believe Tom Wilson comes down the right side on this one, shoots it over. Uh, and Ovi's got six or seven feet of room it feels like so he's able to take two or three strides and just hammers it over hard shoulder one nothing yeah finally like a like or not finally i guess but like he actually made a smart play like he didn't than just, just crank like, it. it yeah yeah like usually usually he'll just crank it like and just like rip it as quick as possible but he actually was like oh i got time let me walk it in a little bit just absolutely laser it past him yeah beautiful goal not a whole lot to say because he just i mean he just outmaneuvered the guy like it was 2007 and he was still a little 22 year old yeah just fired just absolutely fired it and then five minutes later it's 10 times better because he gets the puck at the left the right up there at center ice brings it down between the legs around the defenseman gets it over at the last second and tom wilson just picks it up and it's two to nothing you're like we might win by 10 this game it's a classic nhl 21 goal right there or nhl 14 or anything (laughs) Just backdoor pass goes right through the crease. <laughs> People sleep on Ovi's ability to pass, and then he he he's really good at it. He just is better right. at shooting, so he does that more often. And so people are always surprised when he makes these amazing passes and these amazing plays. It's like he's been doing that his whole career. He just doesn't yeah. do it as often. But, but we want to keep talking about vintage Ovi. I mean, that's the between the legs move that we haven't seen work over like 5% of the time in the past, like five yeah. years, it feels like, but yeah, uh, it, it gets, it gets through and he just hammers it over and it's two nothing. Scott Lawton, Lawton, sorry, AB. Let's talk about this. We've mentioned it. We mentioned it all the time, but it's the fucking end of period goals and the start of period goals, like in those first three minutes of each. And so Scott Lawton at the end of the first, um, looks like with a minute and a half left. And then Scott Lawton again, two twenty nine into the second. You're just like, fuck, it's just a two, two game within six minutes of play, even though it's been like 40 minutes of real time. Yeah, I mean it's absurd. We gotta we gotta sharpen up the final two minutes in the first the first two minutes of these games because I feel like this happened quite a lot in in this short season right now. Um, it's just I don't know. It, it, it's it, they're just the biggest. Those are the biggest goals. I mean, if you go into that period two nothing, you have so much more confidence, right? Like yeah. you're just like, all right, this game's. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Twenty well, down, forty to go. Let's we're two up two zero. Let's go. I was like, well. Uh, maybe I should take it back now because we just let up two three nothing leads like back to back games. But <laughs> either way, like two nothing is way better than two to one. Two to one with them like getting momentum right before the period is like fuck. Yeah. So I mean, Blake. I mean, that, like I said, those the, the the beginning of the period, the end of the period ones are tough. And at that point, Scott Lawton's got two goals. But at that, at that point, where you're like, damn it, we had our chance, but here we go. As soon as as soon as they let up, let off the gas. I mean, they, they, it's so frustrating watching this team play because they're they're really good from behind. They're 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 like leading the league in goals yeah. for when trailing, but they're also leading or close to leading the league in goals against when leading. 
Like, <laughs> oh shit! Just, just goals like, for when trailing and goals against when leading. That's like, give me one, not the other. Like, fuck. yeah, that's fuck. That I don't. So I don't like. I don't oh, like well. some of these trends that we're on right now. To be no, honest. I don't at all. But it's, it's <laughs> we are it's hurt. A, yeah, as, as a motherfucker. But AB, you were just kind of saying back earlier on that first goal, you didn't. You liked it how Ovi didn't do his natural, just like get it and bomb it. Well, the, his his second goal, he gets it and bombs it on like a three sixty. It's blocked. It's passed back to him. Gets it and bombs it and again. It's three to two, and you're like, oh, Ovi's having a day. Two two goals. Yep. And an assist. Ovi's gonna get a hattie, <laughs> and then he doesn't. But yeah, but you gotta I mean, get you gotta get power plays to get a hattie, which we did in that game. Yeah, and dude, this this clapper doesn't leave the ice either, which means he got uh, all of it probably. Because those those are usually the fastest shots when they just don't leave the ice. Like Adam's, oh yeah, it's just skipping skipping in. Yeah, yeah. Zdeno Char is like 111 mile an hour slap shot. Yeah, those just don't leave the ice. It was so damn far from the net though. It felt like it took like five seconds to go from his stick to the back of the net. It really did. Yeah, it was because the first was, one looked a lot harder that got blocked. Yeah. yeah, it was almost it was almost offsides. Is how how far from the net of a shot it was. Yeah. And Carter Hart, I mean, he did not look good this game at all. Terrible. Looked terrible. Um, and I just it, – it was – was he screened? He had to have been screened, right? I think it – Yeah, like somebody. two to three people at okay. least in front of that net. Yeah. So, yeah, 3-2, and then a tag on a beautiful kind of three-on-two. Um, Abu Kubel – Drops the puck and Hag just hammers it, like just completely fucking hammers it. Uh, and then JVR, he comes out, and he's kind of by himself on this one. And we had a lot of the TVR versus JVR shit this game, which I was kind of hoping we'd like see a fight maybe, but um, that didn't happen. But James Van Range, like he's down by himself and he, the one he's, he's all alone, no pat, no assist, no nothing, just rips it home, uh, snipes it. And that's when, that's when VV, your boy, gets pulled and uh, Craig Anderson comes in. Washington Capitals goaltender, Craig Anderson. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that, that's just so frustrating when, like, I mean, 4-4 game, right? He comes in, and then it's just Craig Anderson. Just We we had so much, like, so many expectations for him to actually, like, do decent. Like, Ben was like, all right, this is kind of the goaltender I wanted to pick up. And uh, yeah. I kind of thought, like, I didn't really think Vanacek was going to be the backup. Like, and this is – is this our first time seeing him, Craig Anderson? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, it's – it was just I don't know. I was very very disappointed that I thought he was. I thought he was going to be a stud. I honestly thought he was you thought he was going to be 2017 like, Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, I Craig thought he was going to be our Brian Elliott of uh, of the Washington Capitals. I guess you know, but yeah, it is what it is. And then uh, to, less than a minute left. It's what you think is going to be an OV one timer, and it's a pass to Backstrom. He kind of turns backwards in the crease and gets it home, and it's four four. And you're kind of looking forward to that third period at that point. A four four game going to the third. Super Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, all right. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get this going. All of our big dogs are scoring right now. We had OV, Wilson, uh, Backstrom. Wilson and OV, four points each. Backstrom, three points yeah. in, in the first two periods. Yeah. So you're like, all right. We're, we're probably going to end up winning this game if they're rolling. And they're the, uh, I mean, the Flyers, the Flyers, uh, superstars weren't really rolling at all. I mean, I don't even know. Oh, Couturier was back, right? Couturier I mean, it's pretty much the Scott Lawton show. Yeah. Kateri was back, but he hadn't done much up to that point. No. He had an assist. Yeah, all he had was all he had was an assist. And then the third period comes along. It's Kateri 30 seconds in. A B back to it. First, first and 
last couple minutes of a period there. Then it's Scott Lawton hat trick, and then heh, Kateri again, empty netter. So there it is, seven four. Blake, we'll start with you. Recap. Yeah, it's tough to watch. To I mean, when you start off a period giving up a goal, it's tough to. It's really tough to get back into it, and you hate to see it. Yeah, hate to see. What do you think, Abby? I know you weren't watching much of this game, but uh, yeah. I mean, we just got a sharp. We can't. They haven't been able to put it together 60 minutes, man. That's we mentioned it earlier. They just, I don't know what it is. I mean, like it could be our age, our age is starting to show a little bit. Uh, we are a depleted roster right now. That could also, I, I, I'm sticking to that right now because come on, we haven't had our full lineup since, yeah, uh, third game. Yeah, we haven't had Koozie back yet. Koozie should hopefully come back and. Starts lighting the lamp. I think I mean, getting your goalie back, your sh- should be starter, is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, hopefully he can come back and kind of get on a roll. Because I mean, he, Sammy wasn't playing the best either, to be quite honest. When he when he went out, I mean, it was only like three games, but um, yeah. But you never know. I mean, he yeah. could walk that well due to COVID. So I'm sure he's gonna True. be all right. True. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna be perfectly fine. What do you think, Blake? I see. I see. I feel. I feel like I see the numbers in your head. Yeah, I. I was also. I mean, after the first three games of Samsonov, I. I was kind of like, it'll be good to see Vanishek get a chance, and and then he played really well, and I was like, you know, maybe maybe we're not off that bad, and then it just kept going and going and going of just no Samsonov, no Samsonov, no break for Vanishek, and it's just it's. It spiraled out of control, and then apparently Craig Anderson is playing like a thirty-nine-year-old, which is fine. He's thirty-nine years old, but yeah, yeah, he's uh, that was the uh, that was the annoying part about this whole Sammy Kuznetsov thing. We thought it was like no big deal at all, and they're like, all right, we'll, we'll be back in four games. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, they're day to day still. Oh no, they're still day to day. So the more day to day they are, the longer they are. It just feels like it's like another like two months. Yeah. And then it's like, like they it's, might be back soon, but before they do. Oh, she's going to get hurt and Eller's are yeah. not El- well, it's going to come back, but Rana is going to get COVID. I wish they could have just been like, yeah, they're going to be out for like three, four weeks. And then I would be like, all right, fine. But instead yeah, I wouldn't have expected much honey dicking us with these day to day. I'm like, <laughs> honey right, so- dicking us with day to day tweets. Yeah. Like, and they won't. This. The other thing too, is it, like, I get, I get one of your protect players privacy, but on the other hand, like we knew, like we knew when Samsonov was positive, that he was going to be out yeah. for at least two weeks because it's the yeah. whole thing with COVID is two weeks. Vrana, we have no damn clue. It could be – he could have just had a wonky test and he'll be back tomorrow because – Honestly, yeah. But but he may have tested positive and will be out for two weeks and we have no clue. And I wish they would just give us some sort of indication. Yeah. Like they're doing the rapid enough tests. They can, they can tell something, but oh well. Uh, let's finish it with this with some Unleashed to Fury, and then we'll kick it to the Ben Raby interview. It's time to the Fury! All right, so most of mine are, are responses to the Caps Flyers game. I didn't really go digging back to the Rangers game much, but uh, here's a good one to kick us off. Caps tweet out. You know, two safeties weren't enough. Here's the final score graphic, and somebody replies with, "Hey, this could be a good season to consider tanking for a high draft pick." Uh aggressive. We're still in a playoff spot, but I like that. I like that take. I had that one as well. I'm like, you, you know, we're only two years removed from a Stanley Cup, right? 
Uh-huh. You know, not quite uh-huh. an Ottawa Senators two years removed from a cup territory. Love it. What you got, Blake? Still in the playoffs. Uh, I have. Uh, I had multiple people saying tank. Uh, but my personal favorite was uh, somebody just tweeted a picture from, I think, probably the cup season of just Ovi, Trotz, Burkowski, <laughs> and Backstrom just glaring at the camera. And they just said, stop. When oh, yeah, I read through that one. Yep, saw that uh, one. I did get a uh, can we get Chase Young and Montez sweat on skates to fix this defense question mark? Yep, I think we're all looking at the same ones because I got that trade, trade Orlov and picks for someone who plays actual defense, burns, dowdy, freaking anybody. He's been nothing but a lot. <laughs> well, like I was because I saw a lot of those tweets. It was like trade Orlov, trade Orlov, and then that was just like get somebody that plays defensively. I was like, oh. Who's he going to mention? He's like, you know, Drew Doughty, <laughs> Brent Burns. Brent Burns, who plays forward sometimes. Throw Eric Carlson in the mix, why don't you? <laughs> what the like, fuck? Uh, um, I have another one here. Daddy Hart owns your franchise, which he let up four fucking goals this game. So, yeah, like, had nothing to do with how well he played. Well, like, we always talk about it, how the, the Twitter crowd and the Facebook crowd are so different. So, different. This is one on Facebook. It's uh, our defense is horrible. Panic, P-A-N-E-K. Orloff and old Chara C H A R R A and Jensen question mark. We have given up the most goals by far in the division. It's going to be a long year. Somebody replied and said, firstly, learn the names of the players on your team. And the guy who posted the original one says, gee, I misspelled one bad player's name. I know I'm right when that's the best you can come up with. He said panic as a defenseman. No, he just said panic with an E instead of an I. Oh, spelled Chara wrong, spelled panic wrong. But implying that panic is bad at defense, which no. Yeah, I, I was just, the way that was worded. I thought he was trying to say that Richard Ponick was like a defenseman, and I was just like, "What the? F- who is this fucking guy?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Twitter you get like the savagery, and then Facebook you get the old people who are clueless. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this guy goes, "Hold on, not a good result." I mean, his profile picture, very old man. Not a good result. Dot dot dot. But I have a non-game related question: Is the alternative alternative jersey black or dark navy blue? My darling wife says I can't tell colors. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous and he, gotta, he's he's old old i got oh, a good like one from the 85. caps pr account posted the post game interview with laviolette uh-huh. and somebody replied clap emoji now we are seeing laviolette's system crap crying laughing emoji what a joke this guy is bravo caps for getting this talented ingenious coach two exclamation points long season ahead Three exclamation points. Like, okay, boy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. These people. Gotta be. These fucking people. Um, I already had my two. The the daddy, the daddy heart one was the one I was just like, what Love the f-? like he literally had nothing to do with that win. Like I got I have one more Facebook one, so this is obviously the direction that one's gonna go. Uh the idea of young net miners mining the fort isn't working. The T has holes throughout and no scoring up and down the lineup. Other than those issues, the team is great. So, other than the fact that our goalies suck, our D is not playing well, we're not scoring goals, everything else is fine. <laughs> Every facet of the game is bad. <laughs> we're one piece away. And he says this after a 7-4 game where the offense just is lights out. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, the first line is lights out. And yeah, the rest really of the team was out sicker with COVID. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, but, but besides those three very small things, everything else is fine. I kind of just want to get, like, like – the COVID outbreak out of the way now. Yeah. Like we're getting through it now. Like I like, I'm, I kind of don't hate this. Like, all right, we've gotten four of our main players out already in the Russians. Ron is out right now. Like mm, this could kind of work to our favor here in a couple months. Yeah. Like 
Like the Sabers had like twelve guys. They had yeah. all go at the same time. And if we start getting, if we start getting hit, or like if other teams start getting hit late when it's important, or like a playoff push, it's just like, eh, hey, we're good. Yeah, we're antibodied up. Yep. Yeah, that would suck if we, like a team gets hit with it during the playoffs. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to do a bubble for the playoffs? I don't think they've said anything at all, like whatsoever. But oh well. But you got anything else? You got any more of them before we kick it to the interview? That's all I got. Love it. So let's kick over to Ben Raby now. All right. We now welcome on an awesome guest, a writer for the City Open Tennis Tournament, sports anchor for WTOP and Sirius XM Sports, correspondent for MLB.com. Like we said, a million things just a second ago before we started recording. But Caps fans, you know him best as the host of the pregame, intermission, and postgame live shows for the Capitals Radio. Ben Raby, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Good, fellas. Good to be here. Love it. So we'll start. Talking some caps here, and then we'll get into your career a bit. But we'll start with the simple one here. What are your overall thoughts on the team so far this season? I mean, obviously off to a great start. The two straight three, nothing blown leads are kind of tough. But is this team kind of over or underperforming your expectations coming in for the season? I would say over based on every game they've been through, right? If we had spoken on day one of training camp, and we had said with a new head coach, with the abbreviated camp, without preseason – with all the injuries, with the COVID absences, missing Ovi for four games, missing Samson for as long as they have, et cetera, et cetera. Kuznetsov, Ellery, you can go down the list. You had said they would deal with all that, and they would be 6-1-3, and three, 10 games into the season. Heck, a month ago, you would have signed up for that for sure. So all that being said, given everything they've been through, yes, I would say they've exceeded expectations. Has it been flawless? Far from it, but we anticipated – we, we anticipated perhaps a, a sluggish start, and as the year went along, they would get better with the new coaching staff, et cetera. So all that being said, uh, very, very encouraging start to the season, all things considered, yeah. Yeah, speaking of overachieving, what are your thoughts on uh, Nick Backstrom this year? Like, he's obviously looked good, but do you think there's any reason why he's looking so good? And also, if you were me, would you trade him uh, for Stamkos <laughs> in a one-for-one -one in my fantasy league? <laughs> Always an agenda, trade. right? Yeah. But uh, – no, good, good on Backstrom, you know, like kidding aside, because, um, you know, with so many injuries and absences early on this season, we always talk about guys stepping up, taking advantage of opportunities. You usually think of guys maybe lower down the depth chart. Vitek Vanacek is a perfect example, right? Samsonov is out. So Vanacek goes from the backup to the starter, and here he is taking advantage of the opportunity. Nick Backstrom, regardless of who's in the lineup, he's, he's your top line center. Maybe if Kuznetsov's there, you go back and forth 1A, 1B. But point being... Nick Backstrom's role doesn't change with all these absences, maybe a few extra minutes here and there. But to your point, that being said, for him to have picked up the slack and done some heavy lifting, a sniper all of a sudden, Nick Backstrom. Yeah. No kidding. Where's, where's that coming from? But no, very, very encouraging sign from, from him. And especially when you consider, again, missing Kuznetsov, missing Eller, pretty thin down the middle, all things considered. Uh, an encouraging sign. Stammer's off to a good start as well, though. So you I know that's why it's tough. You own Backstrom or you own Stamkos? I own Stamkos and I, I, my buddy think, knows I'm think, a Washington fan. So I think you're okay. I think yeah, okay. you're okay. okay. Ripping yeah, it up in that uh central division. The central division, by the yeah. way, to call that the leftover division. I'm not sure how yeah, you got right. it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
you got the North Division, it lines up. You got the East Division, okay, it's some traditional rivals in there. You got the West Division, it is what it is. Central Division, it's it's like the leftovers. It's like they it's like yeah. Who were these weird teams that when we made that original circle on the map that were just like yeah. just outside the Sharpie right there? Like a Nike yeah. swoosh of teams, pretty much. Some yeah. some good teams in there. Don't get me wrong, but we're we're going with the leftovers, not not but, your traditional. There's some good, but there's also some. Bru- there's also some brutal teams in that division too. I mean, that, that I feel like Tampa Bay should roll through that division. I mean, Carolina's look good too, um, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's um, definitely there's definitely a split haves and haves nots in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our like sticking to Backstrom real quick. Our, our boy over here, uh, Coach Coach Billman over here. He he kind of called it this year. He's uh, about Backstrom having maybe a career year. How many? Uh, if you could uh, do a prediction on a uh, points wise, how many how many do you think he finishes up with? Boy, he's he's over a point per game now, right? right. Ten games into the year, if he get if he if he gets a fifty point season in fifty six, that's that's pretty impressive. That 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 would sort of be on on par, I think, with with kind of what he's been going through over the past years. He's just a shade under a point per game, I think. But yeah, fifty points, yeah, would be a nice year for him. Yeah, and and stick again, sticking to that, I I said to I said to these guys earlier uh, the other night, we need him to be rolling on all cylinders if this if this team's gonna make a playoff run. I think those are Kuzi or Backstrom are two of the main keys to this team. I think because they're they're down the middle, they they got to be our best players. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I really put a big big spotlight on Kuznetsov. It's it's interesting they've had the start of the year that they have despite having missed him at least for six games and perhaps more after this recording. But it's funny because when they, when they hired Peter Laviolette in the off season, uh, a lot of the talk, whenever there's a new coaching hire in these parts is always, how is that coach going to deal with Alex Ovechkin? All right. right. And space of the franchise. You're always curious how that relationship is going to be. I shrugged that off. I said, Ovechkin at, at, at this stage of his career, 35 years he's a grown man he he'll be fine whatever coach is behind the bench I said the one to keep an eye on is Evgeny Kuznetsov who if we're being honest based on the ceiling based on the potential based on what we saw in the spring of 2018 he took a step back over the past two seasons mm-hmm. and I'm not suggesting it was directly related to the fact it was coach Reardon when you bring in a new coach in Laviolette and they use the, the the buzzwords last summer as they always do with a coaching hire you want accountability. You want that type of thing coming from the, the man behind the bench. I do put a lot of that on the player, Kuznetsov, and some of the undisciplined penalties he's taken over the years and some of the maybe poor decision-making that, that has cost him in, you know, in certain situations. I put a lot of that on the player. But if a head coach can make an impact, make a difference in that regard, I think the, the big, big story, once he returns and as they look to make another deep postseason run, you know, as Kuznetsov goes, so goes the Capitals, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you, you've mentioned the past there uh, a couple of times before, too. Uh, you've been here for about 10 seasons worth now. What was the best team that you thought uh, had had the best chance to win the cup besides the 2018 team? Probably just the year or two before the 16-17, the those, those back-to-back President's Trophy winners that yep. both times lost to Pittsburgh in round two. It's it's interesting that you bring that up. That I've I've been here a, a decade plus now, and which team? I thought you were going to ask maybe which, which was my favorite team. I would say realistically, those teams were best equipped, particularly 27 teams, just very very deep. Yeah, they were loaded. Justin Williams, you know Nate Schmidt. When you consider that, when when you consider that they won in 2018, given what they had lost that previous off, yeah. I think they had lost six 
regulars. They had Shattenkirk too, Austin I think. Among them. Yeah. Shattenkirk was the big the big ad at the deadline that we all yeah, like, oh, yeah. here we go. Yeah, so. exactly. They went all in and, and didn't work out in the end. So that, that 17 team was really, really well equipped. But what I'm getting at too is the other President's Trophy winning team going back early in the decade, early in the Ovechkin 2010 team. That, that was, and I kind of put this in air quotes, fun. I don't know if that's the appropriate word. That was the most interesting team, I would say, to follow that season. They were not the answer to your question, which was most yeah. Stanley Cup. That, that team proved to have its flaws and its holes, and it was very much high event hockey, if you recall. They, they were, you know, they behind 4-1 and yeah. win games 6-5 in overtime. Yeah. And this time of year, late January, early February, that team went on an incredible 14-game winning streak. Yeah, I don't mean to go off topic here, but that team, they were just a, an easy, fun watch. Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench. Yep. Being at the point, doing his thing and chipping in offensively. It wasn't sustainable, but it was very easy on the eyes. It was a lot of fun yeah. to watch. And they were young. They were kids. They they were, they, it, was, it was a very fun team. To yeah. I, I keep saying fun, but it was, it was an interesting oh, Yeah. Team I mean, back to Backstrom, that's the Backstrom 101 point era yep. right there in like 2011-ish. Yeah. 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 33 would, goals. Talk about him being a sniper. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for for me, my that tw- I think it was the 14-15 season where we lost to the Rangers game seven overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Stepan puts it away off the faceoff. That was like the most disappointing loss to me. I think like that was the ho- most heartbreaking because I just I think we, we were talking about it earlier. I think it was a three. We were up three one in the series maybe, and it just yeah, and it just felt like that was it, that year felt like it was our year. Yeah, they had a history of that. And what I remember about that. What I remember my thought of that being was, okay, it was year one under Barry Trotz. They were bringing most of the core back. But what I do remember was thinking that was the last best chance Mike Green had. And then yeah. deep run. That, that was the end of Mike Green. And we sort of had an idea going into that postseason. He didn't have a contract extension. They had just spent a lot of money on Orpik and Niskanen. The writing was on the wall. He was inevitably going to move on. When you talk about core pieces of, of the Ovechkin era, among them. Mike Green was always one who, who I enjoyed interacting with and who I thought was, again, very easy on the eyes. Again, had his flaws defensively at times, no question. Yep. But you knew what you got with Mike Green. And if you were able to accept that, he was, uh, he, he was, he was an interesting piece to that core. And uh, one, one that comes to mind when you bring up that 2015. And Joel Ward, too. That was his last yep. opportunity here in Washington. Yeah, we were just so attached to those guys. That's why I think it was so disappointing. You knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Eric Fair too. Yeah, I think there were a few that that was that was the end for them. Yep. So uh, bringing it to a more positive note with the Capitals, we talked to Rob Carlin about his experience when the Capitals won the Cup. But did you and your team uh, celebrate the Cup in any way similar to how the Capitals actually celebrated it? <laughs> well, can't say we were jumping into fountains and what. <laughs> uh, no, it was um, what 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 an experience, what a memory. Uh, we were, obviously we were there in Vegas and. Um, had the opportunity with, with the radio team, with my colleagues, John Walton and Ken Sabra, and we went after the game. I, I, I won't share too many details here, but there was sort of a, a reception. It wasn't just for the team itself. It was for a team, family members, team employees. It was, you know, maybe a hundred plus folks. And, um, you know, Stanley Cup was there and it was handed to me from, from John Walton, who at that point I had already worked several years with and able to get a, a great picture out of it and and great memories and and the whole run you know what it's it's, it's funny fellas I, I don't know how rob described it to you guys but during the run i, know, I hope you could appreciate this we're working you, you enjoy it to 
It's, yep. it's such a cool career experience to cover a team on a run like that. But when you're in the run, I'm trying to think how to explain this. You don't know that you're on a Stanley Cup run, right? Like they, they, you're in the second. Another day at the rink doing your job. and Yeah, but like you're in the second round in Pittsburgh. It could end within a week, just in mm-hmm. the second round. You go to the conference finals against Tampa Bay, which to be honest was actually my favorite series. You would think it was the, the Stanley Cup final. That seven-game series against Tampa Bay, I just – I. I love that series. The back-to-back shutouts in game six and seven from Holtby were, were something. But that, that's my point. They're down that series three games to two. It could end. And then you go to Tampa Bay for game seven. Like, you're, you're not sure you have in the back of your mind this could be a Stanley Cup run. But when you're in it, you don't know that you are actually experiencing a Stanley Cup run while you're in it until you get to the finals. And it's, you know, okay, we're, we're in the Stanley Cup final now. So... What I'm getting at was when it was all done, when it was all said and done, I referenced that night, team reception, got to lift the Stanley Cup, which was a very cool experience. Yeah. It was days later. Maybe. Yeah. It was days later when they had the parade. And I was fortunate we had a couple of the couple of the cars there, the, the convertibles that, that we rode in, part of the procession I rode in, in with color analyst Ken Sabrin. And that day was where I think it, it hit me and I fully got to enjoy it. I wasn't, I wasn't working. We, we were enjoying, we were mm. really there to enjoy. If you recall, I mean, it was a perfect day, sun splash day. Everyone's in a great mood. I remember I kept looking at Ken Sabrin in, in, in the backseat of the convertible with me riding down constitution Avenue, just saying, Ken, it's a Tuesday at 1130 AM. And all of DC is drunk. And, yeah. <laughs> and we are enjoying ourselves. Cheers to that. And it was just, it was so much fun. And it was. Yeah. I was going to ask if you caught any beers on the parade road there. We, we were well stocked. <laughs> yeah. In, 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 in the car ride. Thanks to our friends. I believe at Lindsay Ford, if I have that correctly, it was, it, it was a, a plug. It was a great time. And, and to watch the, the fans down, the, you know, it was, it was just packed. I'm not sure if you guys had an opportunity to be down there. It was just, no, we were there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What a great day. Me and and Matt over here got a third degree sunburn, I'm pretty sure, that day. I bet. How did you get there? We got there at 6 30. 6 6 30. Did you have a decent spot? Oh, we were right up pretty much on the stage almost. Yeah. Yeah. We just got there at 6 6 30, had a bag of pancakes and like two 30 racks of beer and a thing of fireball. We were just like, let's (laughs) go. It's going to be a long day. We're here for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wasn't even thinking you were you were near the stage. I was thinking more of the parade route. But that's that's awesome. What no, yeah, we got there earlier. Like, oh, let's get stage. We need stage. Yeah, we yeah. just went right to the stage. So that was so awesome. awesome. So yep. much fun. Yep. And then uh, speaking of fun, I asked just about everybody this that comes on. But do you have your own personal OV story that kind of adds to his legend? Like anything that you've seen from? You're like, holy, like that's OV. <laughs> <laughs> um, prob- probably, honestly, probably might come across a boring answer, probably just in game, to be honest, we're, we're doing our jobs. And you could be in the third period of a game. Capitals are losing four to two and maybe through 40 minutes, he has one shot on goal, two attempts. And then the third period comes along and like, he could have a hat trick in 10 minutes. Yep. And like one that comes to mind was last year. If you remember this, Right before the All-Star break, they were in New York visiting Barry Trotz's New York Islanders. And it was right before the All-Star break. They were losing 4-1 to one yep. at the second mm-hmm. position. And this was when he was starting to get closer to 700. I think he had a third-period hat trick where – I'm doing this at the top of my head. 
I think he passed Mario Lemieux. Yep. Tied Stevie Y. Like the names that he was just hitting in a game that for 40 minutes seemed like, all right, last game before the All-Star break, these guys are checked out. They have vacation plans, All-Star break, bye week, whatever is coming up. And his ability to just take over a game. I know maybe you were looking for like a personal anecdote, but that's, that's how I, that's something that I will, so many examples like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, he, he, it's a, it's a run of the mill regular season game and that's Ovi. And I hope folks don't take that for granted because in 10 years, you ain't having that. Mm -hmm. I think he had passed Solani like only two games before that. And the difference between him and Lemieux were like six goals. Yeah, Yeah, that was when he was on, like, his tear. He got the hat trick Mm -hmm. against L.A., too. Yeah, 14 goals in seven games. Yeah, that L.A. game is a a perfect example, man. Like, that game game as a whole was a stinker. (laughs) Yeah. It was was a boring run-of-the-mill interconference game. Nothing was going on. I think it was a one-nothing game. No, no, he just, like, wins the game with the hat trick. And then he scored. I think it was was literally the the quickest hat trick in his career. I think it was three goals in, in six minutes, 34 seconds something like that. It was three goals in about six and a half minutes. And so it was the quickest hat trick of his career. And Govechkin has had north of 20 hat tricks in his career. And for this one to have been the quickest and for him to have done it in his 30, 34, his 15th season, yeah. you know, 34 years old last season. That's the other thing too, about Ovi part of his legacy that, that I hope people again, don't take for granted is what he's been able to do like since the cup at this stage of his career yep. to think after the cup and some of his teammates may have fallen under this after the cup, you would take the foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And we're joking about the celebrations and how much they enjoyed that summer of 2018. If anybody would have been forgiven in 2019 had the productivity taken a step back just a little bit, you would think Ovi would be that guy. And he wasn't. That 2019 team that lost in Game 7 to Carolina in the first-round series, Ovi and Nick were the two real catalysts for that team. And, and in retrospect, and I've shared this before on, on other outlets, it, it, it's funny, Alex, because you were asking earlier which team before the Cup did I think was, was the you know, mo- closest or could have won a Cup, and it's a shame they didn't. 2019... The way Nick and Alex were both playing, it's such a shame that they, they lost that first round series to Carolina. And you can ask in retrospect, what well, Kempney got hurt, Oshie got hurt, how much did they really have left even if they had gotten past that first round series? Right. But what I'm getting at is I feel it was almost a wasted opportunity of how good those two, and Alex in particular, Ovechkin, came back that year. And it almost gets lost in the shuffle because everyone's attitude was, well, they won in 2018. Let's enjoy. You were, they were still on the victory tour. Yeah, it was literally who gives a damn. They 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 won last exactly. year. Exactly. about a first round exit. It's like I mean, it's still kind of exactly, sucks. exactly. And I and I've seen them lose a lot of game sevens on home ice over the last decade, right? As we yeah. all, and I, and I remember when they lost, and it was in double overtime to Carolina. I remember when they lost that that night. It wasn't the sky is falling, oh DC curse. No, it was they left the ice to an ovation. Because it was thank you for 2018, the victory tour that we got to enjoy this 2019 season. But I do think it, it does get lost in the shuffle a little bit. How, how well a number of key cogs played on that team. And it's unfortunate that not everyone did their share 
of lifting. And I really believe in retrospect, that was uh, a missed opportunity. Yeah. How do you I, feel about the Hurricanes trying to force a rivalry on Washington since then? I'm all for it. I, I, I'm, I'm really all for it. And, it. and it's funny, too, because talking about Carolina and, and this region, it's funny because, as you guys might know, like college hoops down there. Number yeah. One. Insane, yeah. and, it, and it's and it's Duke Carolina, right? Duke Carolina is the rivalry in, in the triangle, of course it is. And here for years, Maryland, Maryland kind of Duke was Maryland's rival, and Duke always looked at Maryland and said, "Nah, oh, you're yeah. not our rival. Get out of yeah. here. Our rivalry is North Carolina, Maryland. Get out of yeah. here. You're, you're not yeah. our rival." Maryland would no, Duke is our rival. Duke is our rival. And now it's almost like the reverse, but with hockey, Carolina wants the rivalry with the Capitals, and the Capitals are saying, eh, you know what? We got the Penguins. We got the Flyers. We're all set. Yeah. Thanks, Carolina. We got, we got them. We got I'm the Rangers. That's, have, have you guys seen games down there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we drove down. Me and AB drove down last year for a Friday night game, and it's like it was like the New Year's game, the, like the New Year's, the January 2nd game, January 3rd game. January 3rd, down. I think. Yeah. Was that a crazy comeback, too? No, it was a three-two no, game. No, it was a okay four-two, maybe three-two game. I don't know. Um, we we were leading the we led the game the entire time. I think it was like one nothing, one one, two one. Dougie, I know that was a game where Dougie Hamilton buried Oshi behind their net. Oh, yeah. uh, he may have gotten. Did he get suspended? He may have gotten suspended for it. I'm not 100. Oh, sure. when he like punched him in the back of the head. Or yeah, whatever. and yeah. Samsonov, Samsonov like played out of his mind. That was, that was yeah. a Samsonov game. It was three-two yeah. game. What I'm getting at though, nice that's it's, it's an easy night. it's 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 an easy drive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Drive. Parking is readily available at that arena. I mean, the yeah, it's a park. It's in a football stadium. <laughs> yeah. So, and tickets there, at least for now, are still not this year, obviously, but tickets in general there are mm-hmm. somewhat readily available. Uh, they don't, yep. you know, Carolina Hurricanes, then they haven't quite made it to uh, sellout status just yet. I've always yeah. found that that's if you're going to do a road trip, that's a great place. Oh, we loved it. Yeah, campus. it was awesome. Like, like he said, it was it was five dollar beer night on a Friday night. We were live like, oh, bands awesome. at the arena. We're go. like, what the? Heck? This is a party. <laughs> yeah, they had live bands, and that was the first thing we said when we parked. We were like, this this is an easily a very tail tailgatable place. Yeah. Like, like we can't do that at, at the Caps. Really, I mean, and we have were, to go were to they bars, in January? Because I know during the playoffs, it was tailgate heavy. No, they didn't tailgate because it was raining. It was, it was, it was like raining pouring bad, down so. January night. Yeah. But I, I can tell you from that 2019 playoff series, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. Like, but I'll, I'll be honest, like born and raised in Montreal, you know, some folks North of the border, you know, kind of look down at non-traditional hockey markets because yeah. they do things differently down there and maybe not the most, you know, knowledgeable or cheering or appreciating the intricacies of the game. I said, heck with that. Let them, let them do, let, let them have, and this goes for, for any market. Have fun, you know, go go to yep. the game, enjoy it, sell the, you know, let's sell the game. Let's that's like yeah, exactly. That's how you grow the every game. Every market unique. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. And that's a fun one, Raleigh. I I, I love going to games there. Yeah. Um, so shifting it back to the uh Sammy Vanacek, uh, we mentioned it earlier. Um, I actually uh asked about uh, asked it to Sam Pell the uh the other day. I was I, this is my hot take of the season that Vanacek would become the number one starter on this team. And it looks like he's taken over here. Uh, I mean, what do you think, what do you think happens when Sammy comes back? Do you think it's a still a one, a one B situation, or do you think they're just going to let Vanacek ride until he has a couple of games where he fudges up? Maybe a little of column A, a little of column B there. I think, it, I think it could be a one, a one B. You just yeah. flip in the A and the B. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
to compared to what you would have had at the start of the year. My my thought on this is that when Samsonov returns, he isn't going to be handed the keys and told, "There's your net. <laughs> Good luck." Right. Yeah, he, he's gonna he's he's gonna have to earn it back. He's gonna have to put together uh, a few few you know a, a nice resume, a nice workload before before that happens. That that being said, and th- this is just my thought here. If you're asking me now who I think will be the Capitals playoff starter in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you can come back and play this to me the second week of May. But my, my thought is Samsonov will be that game one postseason starter. But it's possible Vanacek ends up with more regular season yeah. because he's built. Right. Yeah. We're only 10 games into the season. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we but like to take I, things I, and just stretch them until they yeah. just don't make any sense. What's a sample yeah. size? Exactly. But, you know, good, good on, good on Vanacek. It's, uh, it's great. First of all, let's acknowledge it's, it's a great story. Guy spends five years in the minor leagues, you know, South Carolina and Hershey. And it's not like he's a sixth or a seventh round pick. He's a second yeah. pick in 2014. It's a guy, yep. who's, you know, came in with some, some pedigree and who, you know, had, had a, had a certain status as, as a prospect. And for him to have to wait his turn like that, a couple of all-star selections in the AHL, a lot of other organizations, he would have had that opportunity already. There were just a lot of roadblocks ahead of him on the depth chart. And for it to have come up in this manner, for him to have taken advantage of the opportunity like he has, good on him. Good yep. on him. It's been a fun yeah. one. Love it. So kind of switching your career a bit here, kind of take us through how it all started. You know, like the passion for media. I don't know if you had any specific dream job in mind, if that was to be like a radio host or a maybe a play-by-play guy of any sport or anything like that. So what was the start like for you coming up? Yeah, I think I've wanted to work in sports media since I was a fetus, pretty much. Uh, (laughs) We'll go with that. I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old making homemade newspapers, cutting out pictures from Sports Illustrated and gluing them and trying to make my own little magazines and whatever. So it was was from early. And and it's funny because this has been relayed to me from my older sister and my father when they took me to, to hockey games when I was a little guy, we used to go to the Montreal forum. First couple of times they took me to the game to see the Canadians again, having grown up in Montreal, obviously I'd been watching hockey on TV. So when we went to the Montreal forum, the first couple of times I was very confused as a little guy, why there wasn't an announcer. So I thought you were supposed to like you're in the building. I thought little Ben, I thought I was supposed to announce so I did. And then I guess after a few minutes, it got old and I was told to pipe down. But the first everybody few, behind you just smacking you yeah, in the back of the head. Like, the times I, went, I went to the Montreal Forum. I just started doing the play by play when they dropped the puck and uh, started started uh, started doing that. So anyway, so it's it's uh, it's obviously been been in the blood for uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, made the gradual, you know, high school paper and yeah still a teenager actually got my first job there was a startup sports radio station in montreal which is now tsn 690 it's under the tsn umbrella in montreal at the time it was called team 990 and not a big deal 19 years old i was really lucky i don't know how this happened i didn't even intern they gave me a paying job right off the bat i was nice. much but, that good? but but it was uh it was a foot in the door it was a foot in the door it was making ten dollars canadian an hour and uh and just uh, took advantage and, uh, you know, did, did everything that was asked of me and more. And, you know, that was, that was, that was the start of the, the passion started early and, you know, got, got working fairly early too. So I was lucky in that regard. Nice. Love it. And then, and then 
I mean, the kind of the cool part is, is I mean, later down the road, you get a job with the Canadians doing the, I believe it was like the weekend post game shows. Who, who, who was on that team at the time? Like, who was really enjoyable to nobody kind of good. like co- nobody good? <laughs> so it wasn't good. a good team. I was gonna say, was there anybody like enjoyable on that? Because I'm, I'm assuming that's your first job in like hockey in the NHL. You're like, I get to do my hometown Canadians, and like, damn, this yeah. team sucked. No, um, no, they, they, yeah. Suck might be a stretch. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I guess that the best players were, so this is like 06, 07-ish. Daku. Seven, they missed the playoffs on the final night of the season. So, you know, they, they were on the cusp there. Expectations, of course, in Montreal are always much higher than it coming down last night of the season to see if you make the playoffs. But came down to the final night of the season. Faces of that team included uh, Saku Koivu. Yeah, I was going to say, how to be Koivu. I think Alexei Kovalev was still on that team. Koivu was was probably, if I'm wording this appropriately, he was probably one of my last favorite players as a fan, you know, before I kind of flipped that switch and you start working and covering athletes and eventually said athletes are younger than you and the whole thing gets weird. But yep. Koivu was probably the last one, if I think back to, you know, when I was... Mark- Andre Markov, right? He had to been there. Andre Markov was on that team. Yeah, yeah, no. Her names Mike Komisarek was was partnered with with Andre Markov. I'm actually trying to think who the goalie was because Jose Theodore was traded in 06, 2006. No, I think it was that was pretty. Yeah, he was still, he was still in the minors. Shoot, Just I should about? know this. I'm embarrassed. I don't. Who was the Canadians goalie it, in 2007? Someone think, up on uh, Hockey DB because because Theodore had been traded in 06. I think Ben's right over here. I think was it's it Christabel Hue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Hue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hue was there in 07. Hip hip, hip, hip Hue. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, because so, it, it was it was the period between Theodore and Price. Yeah. So you were raised as a Montreal fan, right? Were you and, and Expos, by the way? Expos were really okay. Yeah. So were you rooting low key for the uh, Montreal Canadians in that uh, when they disappointed us no. in seven games? Okay. <laughs> no, no and, and I'm laughing because it. I think it became apparent that you were a Montreal guy. No, no, just the opposite. It became apparent to me that spring that that was behind me. Oh, that, okay. That and 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 I'll, I'll say again. I, I referenced a, a moment ago. Like it, it, it's different when you when you work with or for or cover a team. You want them to do well. It's good for business when they do well, and you want to cover deep postseason runs. But it's it's different than when you're a fan and when you're. Now, the Montreal Canadiens were kind of like a childhood team of mine, if you right. will. And it's funny because even when I covered them briefly in Montreal before I, I moved to the U.S., when I started to cover the Canadians and I was in my early 20s, I started to see some things. Just nat- It's nothing against the Canadians, just natural. You see things when you cover pro sports. I started to see things that it kind of rubbed off the, uh, the innocence that you have when, when you're you know, a kid or a teenager following your favorite team, you yeah. just, you know, a guy who maybe you were a fan of when he says he'll talk to you for a few minutes and then he never shows up for said interview, all of a sudden, you know, you, yep. you start to see some things. So, so never, never met your heroes, right? Or is yeah, that how so it goes? I'll say that the, the Canadians were, were a childhood team of mine. And then when we came to Washington, it was, uh, you know, we, we, we put it behind us. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, going off that, I have to ask, as Ben from Canada who covers the Capitals, how did you make your way to Washington covering the Capitals? <laughs> yeah, short short version, real short version is I did a master's degree at Syracuse University. 
in uh, 07, 08-ish. And from Syracuse, we ended up with uh, a placement here in the DC area in Washington. And it was, I was with WTOP radio and the Capitals were actually the flagship station at the time was 1500 AM, which is part of WTOP. And long story short, I was here that summer, worked my rear end off with WTOP. It was part of the Syracuse program when the, pro, when the summer program ended, went back up North to Canada. But I told the folks here, if anything opens up, I really enjoy this area. I liked working here. If anything opens up in the next few months, you know, please, please let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the job hunt. I'd love to return. And um, took a while, but about eight months later, I got an email out of the blue saying there was an opening to be part of, it was actually Caps and Nationals broadcast at the time. We were both on 1500 and I wasn't told you have the job. I was told, here's the opening. Here's the link online. If you want to send in your resume and material and et cetera. And one thing led to another and I was down and been here for uh, 12 years since. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of assuming the NHL was always the end goal as a Canadian kid. I mean, you're not like a random guy from, I don't know, Idaho that grew up and covering high school football and stuff like that. And it just ends up with the caps job because it was available. So it was like the NHL kind of always the end goal for you. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> anything in sports. It was just, no. just anything at all. To, no, to, I'm, I'm laughing because to, to Ben's point, also part of the draw actually of leaving Montreal to work in sports media was that Montreal, and I had covered the, the CFL's Montreal Alouettes and <laughs> I really loved that. I, I really enjoyed that. But Montreal at the end of the day, it's hockey yeah. all the mm-hmm. time, all the time. And that didn't appeal. So you wanted pretty much, you wanted to get somewhere where they had everything. That, I, I, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan referenced earlier. The Montreal Expo, mm-hmm. really my team growing up more so than the Canadians. Yeah. I've read somewhere you'd like want them to come back to Montreal if they can, which love, means like if the, if the laws, the if the laws of give and take work, that means we would have to send them back to you. So if you want to apologize <laughs> yeah. to like the listeners that are NAS fans for being selfish, feel free to do so. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sensitive to teams moving. I, I don't, yeah, I, yeah. They get an expansion team because I went through that as a Montreal Expos fan. It was, it was no fun watching the Expos move and, in 2004 and then by the way it's kind of funny that i did wind up here of all places and yes here so no baseball and 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 u.s college hoops ncaa basketball ncaa basketball were two of my favorites and so the draw of going to the u.s in part was be able to to work with some of those other sports and teams and leagues and then it just so happened I came here. I referenced the Capitals and the Nationals were, were both aligned with the radio station I worked for originally and continue to do some work for uh, all these years later. Um, but eventually the, the Capitals were the team that, it, honestly, it just worked out that way when there were overlaps in April, you know, when, when the Caps were in the playoffs and the Nats was just getting underway. They kept putting me on the hockey one. <laughs> they kept <laughs> And hey, I, and I, I, I love hockey. And I love hockey and you can tell the, the passion and I'm so appreciative that I've been able to cover the Capitals. What a de- you know, if you're going to cover any team over the last decade, what a fun ride we've had and, and the ebbs and flows, but certainly more highs than lows along the way. Um, what a great organization to, to have been aligned with, but uh, yeah, it's really, it's kind of a coincidence and funny how that played out. Cause no, that was, that was not, that was not the goal all along. That's not how, how we thought it would play out. <laughs> right. Uh, so we met, we've mentioned 
about a billion times about all the, the billion jobs that you have. Uh, what do you got? WTOP, uh, you work for the MLB as well. Uh, you don't have to pick a favorite, but I am going to ask if, if there is a favorite. And uh, what are the biggest differences in, in each position? Good question. So I'll, I'll keep the capital separate because that's my primary work. That's the one that most of the energy goes goes towards them. So out of the other ones that that I do work with, I just I, I really like baseball. So yeah. the as I've made clear, uh, really you like baseball? Yeah. So a, a, a lot of the um, a lot of the work with with MLB.com, which by the way I should reference to is is you know on occasion it's it's when the schedule in the off season um i've had i've had an opportunity to to do some some good work with mlb.com just being at the park batting practice it's it's just it's it's a it's a nice environment i find it to be a a change of pace compared to um you know to to the nhl it's just it's something different i I like the telling the different stories there's always something with baseball Mm -hmm. you know pre-game whether it's injury you know sometimes it's mundane but there's always some news with baseball and when you come, well, there's going to be when there's a 755 yeah. games. Well, exactly. And, and, and over the course of a three game series, part of what I do with MLB.com is essentially without going into too much detail, they have a full-time correspondent with all 30 teams that cover, they don't cover all 162 games, the full-time correspondents. They might cover 120 out of 162 and they'll not necessarily travel to every city. So the New York Yankees correspondent, for example, might not make the trip to Baltimore in the middle of June. Right. Again, it's a run of the mill series in the middle of June, but to get embedded with the Yankees for three games and to follow the stories, you know, stories with legs, as we say, you know, a player is in a slump to begin the three game series, maybe at the end of the three or four game series, he hits the walk off and wouldn't be a walk off if they're the road team, but you know what I mean? They hit the game when they something late in the game it i i very much enjoy the the experiences with with mlb.com amongst other outlets i i do work for as well but but that's one that i always look forward to for sure all right um so going back to the capitals if we haven't talked about them enough i was just wondering what it's like working with and being around uh john walton i imagine it's just kind of like having morgan freeman around you all the time awful awful (laughs) When we're at the game together, you know, he, we have a space heater in the booth because it's freezing cold. He just keeps it all for himself. We get <laughs> and skittles, just he hogs it all. It's, it's miserable. No, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, it's. What an asshole. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, we have, we, we have, we have, we have too much fun. We have way too much fun. <laughs> we, people, people should be so lucky to have as much fun as we do. And with Ken Sabrin as well. And, and Mike Callow, who works uh, studio side as well with us, we're, we're a fun team engineer named Tim Parker. We've been the same team for four or five years now. I, I've been, you know, John's been there since 2012. I've been there since 2010. Ken predates all of us. And Mike and Tim joined the team in, in production and tech, technical roles over the past few years. But we have a blast. Um, and John is, John, John is a pro. There's a reason why John continues to assignments with NBC sports network and yeah called called women's hockey for the 2018 winter games over in South Korea um you know just prepared the calls are terrific the drops and nuggets the information 
the entertainment value. You know, John knows if it's a 4-1 game on the West Coast and it's 12.30 in the morning and we're in the third period, we're going to have some fun. We're going we're gonna to reach out, you know, whether it's on Twitter or on air, you know, ask fans for, for some interaction, some, some conversation, you know, where are you listening from? Send us your pictures, anything to kind of keep the conversation going. And we, we, we have a blast. And, and to have been able to share 2018 on the road for all four series with John and Ken, because I don't travel during the regular season. I, I do travel in the postseason to have shared that with them. Uh, you know, I couldn't have, I, I mentioned earlier, John handed me the Stanley cup. John went out and got, John had, had, had seen the cup earlier in the evening on ice. I had stayed upstairs in Vegas in the broadcast booth doing the post game show. John and Ken had gone downstairs and they each got their moment with the cup. And when we were at that team reception, I referenced in the team hotel, John made it a point. I think he took the cup from Matt Niskanen. Said, Matt, we <laughs> took the cup from Niskanen, gave it to me, and he just said, here, Ben, do your thing. And I looked at this thing, lifted it up. He took a picture, which fortunately came out very well. And what more can you ask for? Like you say. There's no, there's no John, goddamn, John that, ex, so. there's no expos on this trophy. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's funny because I remember, I mean, saying this player's name will probably date it to when it was but i remember john i tweeted at john walton during a game one time and i think it was one of those games because it was when uh linus omark was in edmonton i believe it was years and years ago and i was a big fan of his growing up always used to watch his like youtube highlights and everything but everything on the, youtube uh, he did he was the, always doing the, the crazy shootout moves and everything yeah, yeah and like they, they always referred to him as linus omark and i'm listening to the radio and john walton's like linus omark and i tweeted at him i was like hey you're saying his name wrong he's like no i'm not you idiot here's the statue that has the name <laughs> broken out how to say and i was like all right fair enough <laughs> Gotta, gotta, gotta love those pronunciations. Also, doesn't he just, does he kind of have like a Morgan Freeman effect with his voice? Uh, no, what, what, yeah, what he's, you he's hear got like is, the Morgan uh, Freeman voice. What, what you hear is what you get. His, his, his pipes are authentic, yes. <laughs> so talking to him must just be a lot of fun, just listening to him. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah. Uh, anyways, have you ever had like a great time? Yeah, going uh going back towards non-John Walton related stuff. Have you ever had any uh crazy like backstage experiences at the hockey rink? Like whether you witnessed something crazy between a couple famous players that you know, or if you were involved in anything crazy, <laughs> just a crazy story, basically. Yeah, this is this is fun. Time to give us clicks. Yeah, this well, because he said, yeah, behind the scenes. This was early on when I when I was covering the team, early on when I started covering them, maybe my second year. 2011-ish. Bruce Boudreau was here. He's the subject of the story. And Bruce, Bruce was great. Still is great. See him on TV these days? He's doing a good job. Yeah. So, so he finished a meeting with the media at what was then known as the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. So they had finished practice and he did the standard meeting with the media and when the lights went off, the cameras went off, the recorders were shot. He just stuck around and he, he shot the breeze with us as he typically did. And Bruce was a big Notre Dame football fan. And Oof. they weren't, they weren't having a good year that year. Yeah. <laughs> and he said something off the cuff, obviously off the record. We're just, we're, we're just shooting the, shooting the breeze. Like I said, and he said, man, Notre Dame football, we're so bad this year. I don't even think we could beat Potomac High School, was the line he said. <laughs> and it was funny. And, and we laughed. The media laughed. 
and continue talking. And a few minutes go by, we, I, we retreat to the media room. He goes into his office and I don't, I, I don't know how big Twitter was at the time, 2011, but I put on the Twitter machine, you know, Bruce Boudreaux on Notre Dame football. We can't even beat Potomac High School. It was funny. Didn't even think anything of it. Anyways, the next day, you know, got a few retweets, whatever. Yeah, didn't, didn't think much of it. Next day, we're back at practice and practice finishes and he's ready to meet with the media. And I get a tap on the shoulder from one of the, uh, the media relations folks with the team at the time. And she says, Bruce wants to see you for a minute in his office. And I have no idea what this is about. Oh, boy. See you for a minute in his office. And everyone else, the other media that's gathered there, it's like a kid being sent to the principal's office. Ooh. <laughs> I honestly had, I, I had no idea what, what, what this was. I wasn't nervous or anything. I didn't, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he liked something I wrote. I don't know. So I, I get led into the office, which was the first time I'd been in the coach's office. Not that I've been there so many times, but you get brought into an NHL coach's office for the first time. Right. Look around pictures. Cool. Very nice. Tells me, take a seat. He was very friendly. Sit down, Ben. All right. Very good. How are you? Good. You says, and then, and then he goes, then he goes, uh, like full HBO 24 seven on me. He says, I saw what you wrote about me about Notre Dame on social media. I said, I said, yeah, I said, I said, yeah, that, that people thought that was funny. He says, what the bleep? I can't even say anything. I can't do anything. Here's the kicker. He says, Notre Dame athletic department. They're calling me. They're calling the Washington Capitals. Why is your head coach saying bad things about our team? What did we do to him for him to run his mouth about our football team? And Bruce has given it to me. He's given me a real tongue lashing, f bombs, and the whole deal, and yelling, yelling loud. I'm, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm at this point. I, I went into his office. I skipped in. I was excited. I, at this point, my job. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm I'm worried. What? Oh shoot! What's going to happen here? So. He gives me the tongue lashing. All right, I apologize. We go back outside. He does his meeting with the media. I don't ask any questions. I'm just, I want this awkward. <laughs> he leaves. Media responsibilities are done. I jet home and I get on my laptop and I start looking up Notre Dame athletics, you know, contacts, media relations, SIDs, football coaches, whoever I could get in touch with. I call them all these numbers. I get through to people. I say, Ben Raby here in Washington, Capitals, Radio Network, et cetera. Sincerely sorry. I understand a tweet of mine about Bruce Boudreaux. They're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, okay, does it? Then I call somebody else. Hi, apologies, the tweet, the Capitals coach. They're like, we have no idea what, did you guys hear something about this? No, no. Listen, Ben, we appreciate your calling us, but nobody knows what you're talking about. Bruce set me up. <laughs> what I had done, he saw the tweet. He wasn't happy about it that I put him out like that. But he may have exaggerated, may have stretched the truth. Yeah, it said he had, yeah, they had the whole athletic department on you. Yeah, and I understood what he was doing. And in retrospect, I understood what he did, and I could laugh about it now. And and uh, Bruce has been very good to me since. It's been years since he's been here in Washington, going back to 2012. And I've right. green light to, to call him for stories, for perspective. Uh, you know, anytime I'm doing something on Ovechkin from the early years, and 
he's good to me. So I can laugh about that now, but that that's a, that's a funny behind the scenes story tale for you there. Mm, that's hilarious. That's did it ever, office. did it ever come back, like come up again? Like ever? No, uh, I'm probably if I probably if I told him about it, he wouldn't remember any. He'd of be it. like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, 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 yeah. He would say that to me. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting exactly. for you to walk in the office, and he's like, "I got somebody for you to meet." The Potomac football yeah. coach walks in behind you. <laughs> no, he uh, he set me up good there, but uh, that's, that's pretty funny. funny. One day I'll, I'll I'll mention it to him. Yes, <laughs> that's a good. That's that's a top story. That's a top story that we've gotten. That's, that's hilarious. I can't believe you. Of like just to just to cuss you out. I mean, we like you said on twenty four seven. Like just f you f this. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what? Oh man. Yeah. I, I would not but, be. I would. I would have been crying. I was I wondering why Notre yeah. Dame would care, but that but makes sense. You know what? The, the 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 funny thing too is, um, you know, it goes to show you though. If he did that with me, makes you wonder too. The odd time as a coach, you bring in a young player, mm-hmm. rookie. Cool. Maybe somebody who doesn't have a grasp of the English language. Maybe the head coach wants to get a message across. I'm sure the truth is stretched more than on occasion. Yep. Just goes to show you that, uh, you know, messages could be, could be delivered. I'll tell you what, after that, even, even though Notre Dame said they had no idea what I was talking about, <laughs> I recognized, you know, you got to be careful and just be aware of those sort of things. Right. See, my, my smart ass would have gone right up to him. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? They didn't say anything about this. But that's why I'm here. You're there. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so transitioning a little bit here. Uh, did, obviously, you're from Montreal. We've said it like a million times. Uh, did you grow up playing? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. So it was every Saturday. Saturday, I mean, you guys know of Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. Saturdays in Canada is just hockey all day from oh yeah when you're a little guy you play in the morning you know your house league games if you're good enough or lucky enough to be on a travel team you know you get your tournaments on saturday maybe you're playing multiple games and then you know you get together with your buddies at night and maybe have a sleepover party i'm talking when you're a little guy and you watch hockey night in canada that was always a big deal so i enjoyed it at the time i have maybe even a greater appreciation for for what it was when when I was up there, but I, I played, played, you know, compet- I say competitive. I wasn't on a travel team, but I played house leagues growing up until I was about 13, 14 years old. And unfortunately I was never the, the biggest guy. And when the contact came in and a little bit more physicality on the ice at that age, it was sort of suggested that, that maybe it wasn't, wasn't in my best interest to continue playing, but uh, the passion stayed. I, I played whatever ball hockey, roller hockey, street yep. hockey. I played all that. Continue to play that, actually. Yeah, me and you both, man. I was I was too small to be good, so I, I moved yeah. over to roller hockey. Yeah, I was yeah. too bad to be good. So, but <laughs> uh, but I but I played I played growing up. Absolutely, everyone did. Everyone played. Yep. You played until you couldn't. You played until you couldn't, or you figured out that you weren't good enough. But everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, once my dad said, "Dude, you don't have a shot of doing anything," I was like, "All right, well, I'll do something else." Yeah. Pops. But I but I but I loved it. I, yeah. I, yeah, loved yeah. it. And uh we can't go through the interview without mentioning that you're an author. So I have to ask what inspired you to write the what is it, thousand things, Caps fans, you know? Oh, a thousand would have been very long. Okay, it's a hundred. It's a hundred, yeah. right. And I was just wondering how you could even think of that many because I would tap out at like twelve with my knowledge. Yeah. So um yeah, no, it was a great uh great experience. And it came through from 
a publishing company in Chicago. They have a series that's been done on other teams, a uh, hundred things Blackhawks fans should know and do, et cetera, and, and all these other teams. So they were interested in doing a Capitals one and uh, got in touch with me. Uh, somebody I know, a, a colleague had, had dropped my name to, to the publishing company, which I appreciated. And yeah, it was the, the best part of that experience, Ben, was in writing the book and telling the stories of Cap's history, did interviews with like more than 60 former and current players, coaches, executives. And that was, that was my favorite part of the whole experience. The, yeah, no kidding. Was, writing the book was work. The writing was work. But doing the research and interviewing and talking to, like I said, so many former players and executives, that was, that was a whole lot of fun. And, and, you know, from the stories, which some of which are very funny from early in the day when they weren't very good, <laughs> you know, they missed the playoffs eight straight years to start out as a franchise. We chronicled some of those stories and nuggets to, you know, when they started to get good, but had the playoff disappointments. It's funny. The book came out fall 2017 and then lo and behold, they, they go out and they win the cup. And the funny thing was the, the, the first person who asked me to, to sign the book, it caught me off guard, actually. The, the very first person asked me to sign the book. It caught me off guard because, first of all, I didn't even know. They, they were supposed to come out, like, the following week. And how this fan, this random fan, came up to me at the Keller Capitals Iceplex, had a copy of the book. I said, shoot, I haven't even seen one. Where did you get this? <laughs> and then he asked me, and then he asked me to sign it, which I had not. I've never signed a book before. I had not been through this exercise. Everything caught me off guard and just on the spot and thinking quickly, like for an inscription, what could I write? And I just wrote, I don't know why I did it, why, what came to me. I just wrote, may this be the year. And I signed the book. And this is fall 2017. Damn. And then it occurred to me after I did that, I just thought of it on the spot. Again, I don't know what made me think of it. I wrote, may this be the year, best wishes, Ben Raby. And then I said, eh, you know what? I'll keep doing that. Why not? Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I did it the whole way through. And then of course they, they win the cup. And then after going on that long run, a lot of work, totally worth it. Great Stanley cup run as we've established, but a lot of work went into the Stanley cup run. And when they finished in mid June there, I took a sigh of relief. I was ready to spend some more time with my family. I had a six month old at the time. I get a phone call like a week later from the publishing company. Hey, can you uh, update the book? We'd like to include a few chapters on the run that they just had and at that point it's kind of you know I say this joking it was like the last thing I wanted to do but uh in retrospect now we were more than happy to to update it and include some some tales from from the 2018 run went over Pittsburgh and went over Vegas and, and all that so the whole thing was a lot of fun but like I said the best part was getting in touch with uh, so many former players and hearing them you know sort of unveil the curtain and, and tell some of their stories because retired real quick retired players First of all, they have a lot of time. Some of them do. Some, some of them have post-playing careers, but some of them have, have some time. And yeah, we've noticed by the ones that answer our DMs that quick compared to the ones yeah. that are still on red. And, and, they're, and, I, and I mean this in all seriousness, they're mm -hmm. as programmed as current players are. Current players, right. a lot of the They'll give you a little bit more. And they're cliches, and they get so many media requests that the current players, you know, they want to limit maybe the time they actually talk and, they're always worried about saying the right, wrong thing. The retired players, you know, their give a spit meter is very low. So yeah. they, they're, they're, they're open books. Love open it. Ended and, uh, so do you keep signing books like that? 
because they should keep <laughs> no, signing. No, maybe yeah, we, we, <laughs> we had to change it. I think we we flipped it from may this be the year to they finally did it. So <laughs> love it. Yeah, if somebody asked and me you, to sign a book, it'd be like, yeah, what page? And they'd be like, what? Yeah. May this be the year. I mean, you got to take credit for their Stanley Cup win now. I mean, you, you're the one who started it all. Yeah, it's funny. Some <laughs> folks, when they got closer to the cup, did did message me and say, "Hey, you were onto something." And I said, "Yeah, yeah. look." <laughs> you should try again. Fell, fell ass backwards <laughs> into that one. Yes. Yeah. So Ben, we we greatly appreciate the time, man. Thank you for coming on, telling us these awesome stories and taking the time. So we'll have you leave us with this. If you had to pick one thing from that book, one of the one of the things that Caps fans should know, maybe your favorite thing from that book, which one would it be? Probably because I was most surprised to hear it. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this. George McPhee offered this nugget. Great interview, George. When they hired Bruce Boudreaux, do you know who, who, who the, uh, the standby was? Putting you guys on the spot now. Mike Babcock. Good guess. I think he was employed in Detroit at the time. Yep. Um, hold on. I'll tell you, it, it, it's, more, it's more a name from, from years ago. Now I'm building it up way too much when I tell you who the name is. guys be like, okay, whatever. Uh, is, it a former, is it a former cap? It is not a former cap. So, so the deal was I, I had been tipped off. It had, it had been planted to me that when they hired Boudreaux in 07, 08, that George was really at the time looking, hoping that Dale Hunter would join him, which he of course did here. So I asked George the question. So a colleague of mine had planted that seed to me that Dale was on standby. So I asked George for the book. I said, I didn't ask him if Dale was on standby. I kept it open-ended. I just said, when you hired Bruce, was there anybody else you were considering at the time? And he just dropped the name. He just said, yeah, there was one other person. We had an offer on the table and that was Pat Quinn. And I, I mentioned Pat Quinn is a name from, from yesteryear. Pat Quinn's a Hall of Fame coach. He's, he's not yeah. passed away in 2014. But Pat Quinn had been at the time, he was one of the winningest coaches going back to, to 2007, eight, George had worked with Quinn in Vancouver in the early mid nineties, got to a Stanley cup final with Vancouver in 94. And then he really took off, not took off, but he had success Pat Quinn did with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he was ultimately let go after the 2006 season. So he was out of work back when he was again. Yeah, because he had like a five-year break and he came back to Edmonton for like that one year. He did, yes. 08, 09. Yes. It, good memory on you. Yes. Unless you're pulling it up on Hockey DB. But yes. <laughs> then he came back with the Edmonton Oilers for one season. Yeah. He said, George said Pat Quinn was, was the uh, was the guy they had on standby. And my my antenna went up because – a, I had never heard that. B, there's been a lot of talk over the last 20 years of Edgecanera, with the odd exception, Trotz, Laviolette. This team was not in the business of hiring head coaches with a ton of experience. No. Certainly no. would have would have fit that bill. And I think it's so interesting in retrospect. And by the way, the George story, first of all, I asked, I, I asked him to repeat that, like just so I made sure I wasn't hearing things. I had it on tape, but I just said, George, Pat, Pat Quinn? He says, Oh yeah. And then he gave me the whole backstory how. They had a prior relationship. They had worked with each other. He, George believes he owes a lot of his career success to, to Pat Quinn, who had kind of mentored him earlier in his career. Um, but, and then I had others in the organization confirm it, that yes, Pat Quinn was, was the name. And Bruce was crazy, huh? his interim. He had come up from Hershey, right? All right. And the deal was that Bruce was given a few weeks. And if it didn't work out, 
Pat was going to Washington. And mm-hmm. obviously it did work out. And about a month after Bruce took over, they took off the interim tag. George called Pat Quinn, said, Pat, we're good. Bruce has them trending in the right direction here. But it's really interesting. It kind of brings it back full circle because earlier in this chat, we were talking about the 2010 Capitals and sort of the excitement that those teams had in the Rock the Red era when they would just outscore opponents, run and gun, trade chances, very easy on the eyes, all that. But we acknowledge those teams were ultimately flawed, right? They, they didn't play the appropriate hockey that was needed to play, make deep postseason runs. And it's interesting in retrospect, if Pat Quinn had come in and Pat was a different type of coach than Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, yeah. Bruce oh, was, he wouldn't have been scoring 65 goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and, you know, Pat would have, you know, he could have, you know, cracked the whip on occasion and, you know, that type of thing. And it's just interesting in retrospect, would that have been the more appropriate coach at the time? Maybe they wouldn't have had as much regular season success and four straight or five straight division titles, whatever it was. Right. Maybe they would have been better constructed for long-term success in the playoffs. We don't know. It's one of those great what ifs, but you're asking me for a story that came out of that book and the research and the interviews. That was one that, you know, like I said, one of, one of those, Great. What, what if, you know, right. could have been different had it played out that way. Yeah. But we'll take, we'll take the high scoring over years. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been a coach for a couple of years now. So I'm a big coach nerd. I like to study coaches, but Ben, like we said, thanks again for coming on and taking the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be listening to you on the radio throughout the rest of the season. Hopefully it's a nice long season for us. All right. Thank you fellas. Yes. Deep into deep into the summer. Thanks again to Ben Raby for coming on. AB, like we said, great interview. The obviously the the, the fucking Boudreaux and Notre Dame tweet story is the best. Uh, but all all around, good stuff. Yeah, he was he was good. He's he's got that like like such a distinct voice. Like you you know, you know who it is like immediately. Um, yeah. and it's it's a good it's a great radio voice. He's he's very yeah. good at his job. I love and, his uh, I love his uh, I love his shows. So we got to preview some games. Like we said, Buffalo got canceled. I was hoping we could pick up some four points there. <laughs> so that feels like a chair. That feels like going to the charity strike. There is playing Buffalo, but um, Philly tonight, Blake. Let's start with Philly. What do you got for us? So Philly's been playing pretty well, uh, aside from you know getting beat by you know the best team in the division. So you can't really fault them for that. But they're uh, they've got a lot of uh, areas where they're pretty similar to the Caps. Um, the caps are scoring very high above their expected goals for they're, they're like outpacing it by a lot. And so are the, the flyers. It's like the caps, the flyers and the blues are all right at the top of the league in terms of that. So they're getting a lot of, a lot more scoring than they're actually generating shots. Um, which is something that we've complained about here at the caps. So, um, uh, yeah, what's, what's your take on that? I mean, yeah, like it's, 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 yeah, because I mean, because you can obviously think back to just two days ago, and it's so fresh in your mind. It's it's a game. I feel like, all right, if we have Kuzi this game, that's going to make a massive difference. And I I don't think Sammy's going to. This is where it gets interesting, though. Ab, I'll ask because like Vitek just played terribly. Like Sam Sonov's, I guess technically ready, but there's a difference between putting Kuzi on the fourth line and just putting Sam Sonov in the net to start the game. You know? Yeah. Um... I know what you're saying. I, I mean, you gotta you gotta play him at some point, though, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. How many times? How, how many times does he practice? Only once. This is his first today. Once was yesterday not doing was his first practice. Tomorrow. They didn't do a yeah. morning skate. They're they're not gonna do a morning skate tomorrow. No, nope. I guess Sorry, today. Today, yeah. Apparently, yeah. they didn't. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> As Blake sees into the future, they didn't do a morning skate. Yeah, I was going to say, no, no optional either? Like, damn. Like, nope, not even optional. So, I got to imagine that he's not going to play if it's only one practice. Um, La- and Lavs has kind of – like, he, he even did it with Ovi. Like, he, he... – you fuck around with Sarkopoli? No. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll throw it out there because that's our guy. Don't forget he's our guy. Yeah, all right. I take it back. Sure. Fuck it. <laughs> Sarkopoli? Sarkopoli? Yeah. I'm cool. Um. But like, like I was saying, like OV, like I think his first game back, he only played like 14 minutes, right? Yeah, it or, wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. So, of course, then um, he immediately played 27 minutes the next game. So, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. We'll <laughs> he, he finally he noticed like immediately. He's like, oh, okay, it's it's Ovechkin. He's the greatest of all time. Okay, yeah, maybe I should yeah. play more. Um. So I mean, and like we said, Kuzi's on a fourth line. Uh. So I would imagine that Sammy's not. Uh, it'll, it'll still be a couple games till he starts, I think. Yeah. Who do I you agree. start? Vanacek, Anderson? I, I think you have to start. I don't know. How many games has Vanacek started in a row? Is it been eight in like a row. Eight? This would be nine. That's crazy. I think it's just getting to him. You know? Like, what if you put him in and he just gets torched again? Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a big game standings-wise because you, you got Philly in. A shot? I don't know. starting. He didn't look good. He didn't look deserving of one. Yeah. Like at I mean, all. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a good, I mean, not a good issue. Yeah, yeah. He hadn't played at all. Like at all. He I mean, it was three points behind on, Philly. He was on like, the center. kind of important. Before, so he hadn't played since before COVID. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ooh. I'd rather be a point down the Philly than five points. Yeah, I mean it's early I in the that. season. It's early in the season. I agree, but um, I mean, I don't know. like they. I think they have to sharpen up some other things too, other than the goaltending. I mean, I know go, the goaltending right now is the issue at hand, but um, yeah, I, I they're allowing just a brutal ahead. number of shots against, yeah. like which is yeah. also not helping. But we're getting shots up though, aren't we? Like we were shit kicking the Flyers in shots. Sunday. Oh yeah, but but. Prior, it took it took playing against a team that's not really generating a ton of shots yeah, to true. finally you know give our goalie a rest. I mean, he they had to block like forty five shots against the freaking Sabers. Like, yeah, it's not helping his his fatigue levels to just be blocking forty plus shots a night. Yeah, I agree. Sick. Yeah, so, I agree. Uh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can start him just from the physical standpoint. It's just like, all right, we can't. We, we're going to run this guy for a ninth game in a row after we just got absolutely torched last game. Or do we put the guy in that just like looked like he? We got him from a men's league team. <laughs> like he was yeah. a bit shaky. So yeah. I mean, we'll see. Big game, like we said. And then Blake, we got the Pens coming up on Sunday. Pens, Pens are. Uh... They're a lot more. Uh, they're playing a lot more analytically sound, I guess you could say. They're 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 mm-hmm. scoring about where they should be. Um, they're they're letting up more goals. Their goaltending situation in Pittsburgh has been Tar- terrible. Well, let's awesome. let's let's be fair and say this too: that Matt Murray has been absolutely fucking garbage in Ottawa. The only team worse at goaltending than the Pittsburgh Penguins has been the Ottawa Senators. It, <laughs> See, like, yeah, seriously, <laughs> like it's been brutal in Pittsburgh. Which, uh, I mean, we called that shit. I, I've always said Matt Murray is extremely overrated. Yeah. I mean, he did have two cup runs, but, like, he also had 
two yeah, very but the one was like pretty half and half. You can't yeah. call that a Murray Cup run win. Yeah. They literally switched him three times each, like during the conference finals that year. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was the Ottawa year, right? Yeah, it was like one and yeah. two, two and three. Like, just like, all of those games were like six five games or five four games or something. Yeah. Yeah. Except for like the last two, I think. I don't know. But yeah, it's Matt Murray sucks. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan Jari hasn't been great either. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. he was going to be a stud because uh, he played really well last season. And yeah. so I, I thought, I was like, fuck. I mean, classic Pittsburgh finding a goalie out of thin air. And he's not been that good. I mean, and DeSmith is, I think DeSmith is almost taking over the starting role. Casey DeSmith, I think, is his name. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So they've um, been writing their offense to outscore what Jari's given up yeah the um the big difference between the penguins and the flyers is the um the flyers are a lot more or the penguins are a lot more disciplined so the, the flyers take almost as many penalties as caps and their penalty kill is like apparently not on sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> One fucking power like, play. I was like, all we need in this game is one goddamn power play for an Ovi hat trick. The refs won't freaking call a penalty against Caps. <laughs> I serious. We're 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 league average in penalties taken, and we're way behind everybody else in terms of penalties drawn. Mm. We're, yeah. league, we're we're average. We're in the middle of the pack for penalties taken. Yeah, that blows wow. my mind. We're, yeah, that blows my mind more than forty-four percent power play. Bullshit. It's because it's it feels like we're taking so many penalties because we're getting so few, and so yeah. the, the penalties way outweigh the power. I guess play. yeah, I guess yeah. Like Sunday when it was a four-to-one differential. Yeah, you're kind of like ah. Yeah, it's it's because of the one, not because of the four. That makes sense. I, I mean, so really, it. how have the pins been since we played them just a couple weeks ago? But it feels like ten teams ago. I mean, we're beating them in the standings, so they can't be that great. Yeah, I think are sitting around with 11 points. I haven't watched much of them, but, I mean, they had, like, the GM issue, like, all the drama, this, that, and the other. Are they going to trade one of the guys? Malkin, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, what would you trade for Malkin? Koozie. Straight up? Koozie for Malkin. I give him a Honor. pick. Yeah. Straight <laughs> up? Fuck yeah. Straight up? Koozie. Koozie. Koozie in a first. Koozie in a second? Koozie in a second? Koozie in a first. Because he's in a first, oh, I think I'd do it. Because, yeah, okay. Has he been playing much center mostly? Or has he been out on the wing? Yeah, I think he's center. Oh, I mean. <laughs> so who would we slot on that second line with? He would be. Oshi. Oshi's just fine at center. Oh. Him. Yeah, yeah, but he's going to be. Once we're back to normal, fourth line's going to be fine. Eller's your third line guy. Backstrom is your first or second line guy. And then it's Kuzi. It's Backstrom and Kuzi. So if you had Malkin instead of. Uh, uh, if you had Malkin instead of Kuzi there, who's on that line with him? Should Kuzi be a winger? Oh. Oshi center, Kuzi winger. Yeah, that's what I've been saying for... No, but we're talking about training for Malkin right now. We don't have Kuzi in that scenario. Okay. Yeah, okay, uh, so Malkin, Oshi, Vrana. How fucking hot would that be? Oh. Yeah, that would be sick. You or, know, the defense, yeah. all scoring, just all goals all the time. I mean, if you want to do no defense, it'd be, it'd be the OV, Malkin. Backstrom. Fuck it. Put Malkin on the other wing of Ovi? Yeah, just, just put Malkin oh, on the other wing. What if Baxter was just dishing the Malkin and Ovi? That'd be something else. But um, Yeah, cool. I would trade I would trade Kuzi in a first for Malkin in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. So there it is. Just a two-game week now until we record next. 
we had we had a, we had a big week. We had thought we were going to get some Buffalo games in there, but that's nothing. But that's all. That's all kind of really I got. Ab, what are you what are you up to? Uh, nothing. About to hop in the gulag though. You want to you want to uh, rip it up? I love it. I might be just after a bit of this, Blake. I mean, big week ahead. How, how what do we got to do here? Win tonight. Yeah. Four points. Four yeah. points. Got to win. Four points. Is that how you end the three game losing streak? Is four points? Yes. I agree. Like we, I, we need. I think we need four points here. It's kind of, kind of big. I agree. Cool. Let's do it then. That's all I got. So if you guys have anything else, oh, peace out, boys. Everything is on me, go and back it up. No matter what, told you I'ma do me. Why you hating?